0: Welcome to another episode of Inspired Artist Podcast with me, Porter Singer. Today, I'm chatting with Shervin Balorian, and I'll read you a little bit of his bio. Um, he is the founder of Sound Healing Bali and a graduate of Tama Doe, Way of the Soul, Sound and Color Therapist. Shervin is also the co-founder of Bali Sound Healers Collective, the world's first community of sound healers. He is currently based in Ubud bali and Shervin earned his professional credentials from fabian mamans tamado way of the soul academy holds a master's degree is trained in urban shamanism is a passionate lifelong vocalist songwriter and multi-instrumental musician and all of this from somebody who started in politics so to say that shervin's story that he's about to tell me and the things that we're about to talk about is interesting is um, really minimizing it I was totally fascinated by um by his journey by you know how he got to where he is right now and I really resonated with um his sense of identity and not really knowing where he fit in he was born in the Middle East and he was raised in the West and um he has uh, been using his work to bridge these these worlds for himself. So uh, his music is gorgeous. I highly recommend you check it out and let's get into the chat. Here we go.
1: I was just going to say, I know you have uh, small children, so I hope uh, things are okay over there and you've managed to find some time in your day.
2: Yeah, actually, I was just thinking to myself, I should schedule all my appointments at this time because during the day, they're all like running around and, you know, they want yeah. they want help with everything. And at night, they're just content to chill on the couch. So, <laughs> yeah.
1: Dude, what time do you put them to bed?
2: We go to bed late. They go to bed at like midnight.
1: Oh my gosh.
2: Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. It's funny. I try, like, I try to make it, well... Past couple of days, I've managed to get them to bed early at 11. Um, But that's just like how it's mostly, I think it's my older son. mostly. I think my younger son would be on an earlier schedule, but it's just, that's, it's always been his schedule. He's always been a late, a late guy. Wow.
1: And do they get up early?
2: No, thank God.
1: Okay. (laughs) That would would be nuts otherwise.
2: (laughs) So are you from Bali?
1: I am not. I've been living here for about 10 years. Okay. I'm originally from Iran, and I was a refugee. I grew up in England, I uh, left home at 16, and moved to Los Angeles, where I went to college, and then I started my career in uh, public policy. I worked for a state senator for a year in Sacramento, and then made my way to Washington, D.C., and ended up working on peace campaigns to try to specifically to try to build better understanding between the us and iran and prevent uh prevent conflict it was at the time when the iraq war was raging and there was there was a risk that it could spread into iran and um so i worked for an organization that was meant to kind of provide a perspective from the iranian american population and um, we polled them and we got results that they were just really didn't want to go through um, uh, another military conflict and they didn't want sanctions. So that's what I was advocating for in, in the United States Capitol and around and advising senators and congressmen and leaders of, of pretty big uh, peace groups back in, you know, in uh, to, between 2006 and 2009.
2: Wow. Wow. That's, that's not your typical background for the, the uh, spiritual musician.
1: <laughs> no, it's not. And, it, and I went through a, a huge 180 degree turn uh, because the level of stress and the level of, uh, you know, inner discomfort and just disharmony that was going on for me. Um, anybody who is a sensitive being in that community is going to be you know, potentially ripped to shreds by the type of energy that goes on there. So I took as much as I could. I spent about eight years in in D.C., eight, nine years in D.C., and I realized that I was really going down a very slippery slope for my health, even though my career was taking off. Mm -hmm. So um, I, I, you know, I, I went through this big epiphany, and I started to learn about energy, and from there I came back to my passion which has always been music and poetry. And when I discovered that this world of energy and sound and music could actually be combined, I was really activated. And um, I started training. I went to an academy of sound, color, and movement. It's actually based in Malibu, California, also in Switzerland. And it really transformed my life. And I became a full-time sound therapist. I've been practicing in Bali now. Uh, Since 2011, when I got my certification to practice.
2: My son has just... Hi. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, from beyond, I need you to go downstairs, though. All right. (laughs) Hi. Hi. So was that that a big transition for them? Well,
1: they were just nine, ten months old. So, oh, okay, okay. Yeah, nice. yeah, they were, they were just babies and it was not meant to be a move, a uh, permanent move, so to speak. I, I was in a space where I had some time. I had been laid off because the economy had crumbled. I was offered another job with Greenpeace actually at the time to be their climate coordinator. And I turned it down and said, I really need some time off. I need to get away from this, um, this rat race. I just I went to the Greenpeace offices in Chinatown in D.C. and I took one look at the the you know all of the buzz and the activity and and I just thought to myself I'm just going to be sliding down the same slope again and I got to get myself out of here. So I came to Bali. You know my family came with me. My, my ex came here. We all we built a life here and it was really quite a you know incredible. Realization that life can be so peaceful and harmonious and um you know, and that you can still kind of engage with the quote unquote real world and still be a professional and so forth. And just to have some time to unwind and, and experience some some natural beauty can completely transform your entire perception of things.
2: Yeah. Wow. I've never been there, but I hear that there is a really large expat community there. Do you have? Yeah,
1: it's it's pretty vibrant, and it's also a very large holistic community here. Um, The Ubud, the town that I'm from, you know, the word is a derivative of medicine. So, um, you know, there there are all of these holistic centers and yoga centers that have kind of cropped up over the years and are are doing quite well for themselves um and and it's partly because of the energy there and it's also the energy of the people of bali which are very much connected to prayer and meditation and yogic lifestyle yogic way and um and they're very welcoming people so you can also experience directly their spiritual um activities and you know you'll just be driving on the scooter and all of a sudden there'll be a procession of people everybody has to pull over everybody has to wait you have no choice and you just gotta wait you know five ten minutes until this procession of you know hundreds of people gonna come past you with their instruments and their um their beautiful clothing and their offerings as they make their way to their temple or, or, or what have you so it's it's such a big part of life here, and um, it's it's been a double-edged sword because you 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 know someone like myself who has dedicated their their life to working with energy and sound it, it's a place to thrive it has it has allowed me to thrive, but at the same time you know it's really become very very highly developed over the last ten years, the time that I've been here, and it's. It's really kind of sped up the um the lifestyle here in, in the sense that i didn't expect when i first got here mm.
2: so have your your musical um recordings because i was checking them out on on spotify so beautiful did oh, those, thank you. did those happen once you moved to bali
1: yes i started doing um recordings because I bring in my voice in the sound journeys and because I bring in a particular style of singing, which, you know, I don't know if you can relate to this as a parent, but it came about through really the way I connected with my own kids. And I started to really sing from a different place to them when I would sing them lullabies and sing them to sleep. And it was a really, you know, I didn't know it at the time, but it was a much purer and deeper place that my voice was coming from. And so I would put them to sleep and then I would remember the melodies and I would put the melodies then to mantras or, or texts that had special meaning to me and I started to record them. And my entire first album came out of that relationship with my kids and being able to practice those mantras in a, in a setting, like a sound healing setting in Bali where I would be sharing my music regularly on a weekly basis. Basis. So as the voice started to become more of my primary offering, I started to really get more into um, recording. And my second album is the one which has all the Sufi songs on it. It's the one on Spotify. And I wanted to really. um, I was very concerned about the way in which the Middle East, with all the refugees and the military conflicts, everything happening there. I was very concerned about it. It had been an area of kind of expertise for me when I was in Washington. But I really realized that I could still use music now as a form of activism, and as a form of education and awareness. So I I really love this guy called Rumi and his amazing poetry has inspired me since I was a kid. And he wrote originally in Persian, the language of Iran. So I thought, well, you know, this is something that people can relate to. Rumi's been translated into 23 different languages throughout the world, people from the Middle East, from Asia, from the West, Europe, everybody has a way of relating to this guy because his messages are so universal and so much about harmony and friendship. So I started a campaign to raise money for this album and this project to bring the Middle East and the West together. And it culminated in this, um, this music uh, uh, collection which kind of you know, succeeded in raising the amount of money that was needed and then it turned into a, a really beautiful tour and beautiful album and, and also a workshop that I do where I show people Sufi whirling and, and I bring in the sound healing world and the world of, of the Sufi heart, if you like, the path of heart through this workshop. And, you know, I had so much support for it. Eight musicians came from all different parts of the world, contributed to this album, and it did, uh, it did reasonably well for someone who really has a, a background primarily in sound therapy. Um, and I just wanted to build on that over the years. I continue to tour every year, and, and now I have a new album as well, which I just put out.
2: Oh, congrats. So... My, my first question is, <laughs> I, I, would, I would love, if you don't mind, for you to tell us a little bit about Sufism, because that's not something mm-hmm. that I'm well-versed in. I'd love to know more. Sure.
1: Sure. So Sufism is the mystical branch of Islam. And it, it is the, it's very much about acceptance, tolerance. It's the deeply spiritual core of the Islamic teachings. And, um, you know, it comes out of the Middle East, but there are Sufi uh, practitioners all over the world. And you, there are different styles of music, for example, that are related to the Sufi world. The ecstatic poetry that most people are familiar with that come from the Sufi masters, such as Rumi and Hafez and Sa'adi, all of these are, you know, kind of enshrined in our consciousness because they've kind of experienced a resurgence in the last 15, you know, 20 years or so. Um, and Coleman Barks, who endorsed my last album, he's, he's wrote the book called The Essential Rumi*, and he, you know, he has taken Rumi into the bestseller kind of bracket um, and made him kind of a household name. You can pretty much in any, you know, yogic community, you can find quotes and you can find various references to different Sufi masters. And people don't realize that this is actually grounded in in Islam. So um, yeah, there's there's something about the Sufi way that is is so universal and appeals to so many people. And um, it certainly helped me because my identity was something that's that seemed very um, kind of unclear. Because I was born in the Middle East, I was born to a different culture, I was raised in the West. And, you know, I, I was raised at a time when terrorism was really kind of the the main way in which people related to the Middle East and to Islam. And to find out that there is this wonderful, you know, set of teachings that are 800, 900 years old, mind you, um, that kind of allow a sense of pride and a sense of real belonging for some of us. Rumi himself was a refugee, you know, he was called Rumi. That's not his real name, but he was called that because he was kind of had to go from the East to, to the West, to Anatolia, where he was kind of, um, uh, he, he became a, a, a consultant to the, to the, to the Sultan there. And back then anything towards the West geographically was known as Rome because of Rome and how everything in the West was related to the Roman civilization. And so, you know, it, I felt such an affinity for this incredible wise uh, sage, and I, I wanted his teachings and his beautiful phrases and beautiful texts to kind of be adapted to music and to um, the kind of sounds that I use in the sound healing realm to try to capture what he does, you know, in terms of when you read his work, it's so, so deep and yet it's so simple. And I, I wanted that essence to come through with the one with the beloved album. So that's, that's really the essence of, uh, of Sufism and how it really appealed to me at the time and still does
2: well the The second thing that I thought of um, before you answered that was uh, do you, so is this a language that you that you are fluent in that you speak or
1: i am, I speak Farsi at home, which is the the kind of the modern version of what Rumi wrote um, and so I, I'm conversational in the language i wouldn't say i'm a scholar i'm also not a Sufi initiate, so i don't at all speak for for the Sufi world but um I still come at this whole thing from that sound healing world where I am initiated in and I am trained in. And the beauty of what the Sufi world offers is that it's that mystical quality of how vibration is everything. Even those whirling dervishes that you see that are the most famous aspect of Sufism. When they whirl, they're really building themselves a connection to it's a, it's a movement prayer but they're connecting to all things that vibrate all things that have a cycle all things that have a season so um, whether it's all the way down to the subatomic level or all the way up to the celestial bodies in the sky everything shares that vibrational quality and that essence that vibratory essence so i came at it from that perspective. And I found that it has something really important that it opened and awakened within me because of my own lineage. So yeah, it's been, it's been really beautiful to be able to share this music, to be able to share the authentic language um, and to really deepen my own experience with my own culture and to, and to really bring those two worlds together, which I felt were very much split apart in these last, you know, all my life really. To really bridge them together was a goal. And in so doing, I was hoping that the world could also bridge those different um, opposites together to, to discover that the misinformation and the misunderstanding and the propaganda in, in, the, in the news, um, political kind of back and forth <laughs> threats, that there is so much more to, to the Persian way, to the Persian culture. And to the to the spiritual traditions and the, the music and the uh, the offering of what Iran and the Middle East is about.
2: Mm. That's really beautiful. I uh, I'm learning so much. <laughs> I appreciate this. Thank you. So the sound healing was something I think you said was something you had been doing for a while. So all the while when you were, um, you know, in the political scene this was something that you were also honing?
1: Well, towards the end, I started to learn about the whole world of energy. I trained, if you can believe it, with a shaman in the Washington DC area in Maryland, Edgewater, Maryland. I agreed to join a year long apprenticeship with her and 11 other apprentices. In this one year, which was, you know, around 2007 or so, 2008, I went through such a big transformation and I started to really take responsibility for my own, um, you know, what I put out there, for my own energetic signature, if you like, and how so many of the misgivings that I had with the people around me and the work that I was doing, the issues that I was struggling with, and even my health, had to do with my own choices, and my own attitude, and what I was doing with myself, you know. And, the, and um, at the time, I, you know, I wasn't really aware of it, but I was starting to come to terms with the number one principle of sound healing and sound therapy, which is to listen, to listen as deeply as you can about what really is going on, particularly under the surface, and to try to, to you know make your choices and build your life from that place of listening and deep deepness so i realized after this experience you know my relationship with my my parents did a 180 degree turn i fell in love with my dad who i hadn't even been so close to for all my life i started i became a father myself you know and um and then i started to realize that you know I was on a path to really awakening my own potential and awakening my own gifts. I wasn't really meant to be in DC. I was good at it. I enjoyed being part of something that, that was a positive campaign that was meant to do something good in the world, but I was definitely not someone who was cut out for that type of um, uh, environment. So, yeah, it was, it was through this learning about energy and at the end of that experience with Robin Rice, who was my teacher, uh, she had each of us go through a process where we had to discover what our own personal way of connecting with energy is. And for me, it was sound and the voice and poetry.
2: So you write as well?
1: Yes. I write, but most, most of my effort right now is in writing music and really taking the, the texts of others, other ancient texts, uh, you're familiar with this, that have great meaning and are meant to really raise our awareness and our vibration and, and um, putting it to music, original music. So that's been my, you know, over the last five years or so. It's been more and more of where my energy has been directed to while also doing private sound session, sound and acupuncture. And, um, my, my training is grounded in Chinese medicine. And then also my weekly events um, at the holistic center here in Bali, where I'm based.
2: Wow. So what is it like there right now?
1: You know, it's quiet. This place is 90% uh, driven by tourism. Mm. So the airport is Closed until June first, and um, you know we have restricted movement. It's not a lockdown, mm-hmm. but it's much more—you um, know—it's much more restricted than it used to be. People are are adjusting. I think one of the beautiful things about Bali is that it's one of those few places in the world where the community really looks after its own. Mm. You very rarely see poverty here, and. And that's because there is this kind of social um, safety net that the the banjars, the villages provide for each other. But that being said, you know, I'm not sure how much of a longevity it will have if the tourism stays, you know, shut down the way it is now. I have shut down all my events and all all of my offerings pretty much. So um, we are just waiting and seeing. I, I was supposed to actually fly back to L.A. in March to see my dad. He's 93 years old. to mm-hmm. spend some time with him and my family there. But um, it's not been possible. So I'm, I'm aiming for July 1st as my, as my return home to see him.
2: Yeah, it's, it's funny. Actually, my dad sent me this article this morning about what airline travel would look like um, coming coming up and it was like i guess it was going to be possible but i mean who knows i don't know what this is based on but um, what is it like one person per cabin yeah something like that you know like like you like there would be no lounge areas the check-in would take four hours (laughs) (laughs) looked like everyone was wearing like head-to-toe suit you know like hazmat type (laughs) suits and my goodness yeah
1: it's never gonna be the same, you know, but we've you know, we've bounced back, but there's a human spirit here mm-hmm. that is in, indefatigable. We we are not gonna be um held back. So I'm sure I'm sure we'll get through this and I'm sure things will turn around.
2: I love that word. I'm I'm looking down and taking notes. I'm trying to mute myself as I do it so that you don't hear my clicking sound, but um okay. the humans Human spirit is indefatigable. <laughs> um so are are you um is this difficult that you're not able to, you know, perform? Was that your main your main thing that you did?
1: Yeah, I mean it's pretty heartbreaking um, to not be able to offer what I offer um on a weekly basis. I was doing two or three sessions for 50, 60 people per session. And it's it's been really kind of a re-education. On the other hand, I have really needed the rest. <laughs> I have been on the go for so long. And, uh, you know, I was touring Japan last year. And I went to Malaysia and, you know, events in the U.S. Um, and, and you know, I lost my mom last year to cancer. I was in L.A. quite a lot of time to be with her. So, um i felt that it was also kind of you know not that i would wish it but i i felt like it was a blessing for for myself and for a lot of people i know to really kind of walk our talks and come back to a place of real peace and rest and to receive a little bit cuz you're you know it, we're always those of us who love to, to offer and to share our offerings and to support other beings. Um, we ha- we are, we are always on the verge of, of, uh, burnout sometimes. So, so I felt that this was, I felt that it was really important to me to take this time out and, and spend more time with my kids. And, and it also meant that I could really dedicate some quality time to, to my final album, or to my most recent album, um, which was completed in, in February or so, just before just before the whole pandemic really hit. Mm. And it's called I Hear You, Mother Earth.
2: Mm.
1: And it's, its main message is to really come back to nature and the wisdom of nature and to tune in to those, um, those messages that we get when we experience that stillness. And I felt like this was really an ideal time for this album to come back because of the level of anxiety and stress that is rampant right now. And I didn't know it at the time. This album took me three years to, to, to create because I was working with a studio producer who had no idea how to work with a sound healing type of offering. And to try to make that into a studio album was uh, just... Hugely difficult, <laughs> challenging to the nails. <laughs> so we 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 eventually completed it, um, and we created this album. And I feel like it was really at the right time. It came at the time that it needed to. And we've done we've done um, we've done something that I don't I haven't really seen before in terms of an album that combines the the beautiful texts and the mantras and the you know the sacred songs and the uh, sounds of nature that are blended in to create these soundscapes, each track a different soundscape based on the different elements of nature. And then woven into that are the instruments that I use for those different elements of nature um, that I would use in in a sound journey. So they're all kind of You know, mesh together in such a way that creates this this uh, really lovely offering, and um, it's kind of like, you know, the feedback I've gotten has been that it's really uh, has helped them to deal with the 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 bombardment of stress. Listeners have been helped with with dealing with the bombardment of stress that they're dealing with on a daily basis, and it puts them in that natural state while they're in isolation, um, which is really really beautiful to hear and that was one of the intentions of the album as well
2: yeah yeah it's it's amazing to me um i didn't i hadn't ever thought about this before you know the restaurants closed down and most of the stores closed closed down and things like that about how um i don't i don't want to say dependent because i've never felt like dependent on going to a restaurant but You know that it's it's sort of become the center of social activity. I think I lost you. I'm here. here. Yeah. Um, and you know now that 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 that's not an option, I found myself doing so much in nature. You know more, and I mean, I also moved to a place where there actually is nature to enjoy, which I think contributes. Oh, that's great.
1: Yeah.
2: (laughs) But yeah, it's it's fantastic that in that sense. Um, to get that, like, it's almost a forced, you know, a forced re-emergence into, into nature or, or re, like I, a re- new, renewed relationship with it.
1: Absolutely. What I really love about what nature does is that word, you know, re-emergence, It's it it immerses you. It takes you in a place, it, it takes you out of your out of your minutiae. <laughs> and, um, you know, the word nature comes from the Latin natura, which has to do with birth and it has to do with, um, you know, your essence at your birth. Some people call it your soul or your soul vibration. So when you say reemergence, it really is that. It really is coming back. It's like a rebirth thing. Mm-hmm. And each, each sort of setting in nature has a different hidden message for us and um, that was exactly what i wanted to capture in these different tracks each of the tracks has has a corresponding mantra or or sacred text that goes with it from different traditions indigenous traditions some of them my my own ethnic background is kurdish so i have a a deep connection to the indigenous world myself um, because they are known they're one of the world's indigenous peoples So that explains why I have such a fascination for, you know, instruments like the didgeridoo or the native flute or the shaman drum and all of these instruments I play on the album and they're grouped together based on these different elements and that immersion, that sense of kind of going into the, the, uh, the core, the core essence of what it is that, 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 that the, music of life offers us when we just can allow ourselves to receive it i mean it can transform a lot of people's lives it transformed my life coming here and experiencing it here in bali and also working with instruments and sound certain instruments have an effect on the consciousness we're, instruments are like vitamins you know we're drawn to certain ones at certain times of our lives and they kind of give that Uh, extra boost to the system because we know that oh we need this type of song this type of this type of um, quality this type of timbre those of us who are really in our hearts for example we, we have trouble connecting to our hearts we'll be drawn to instruments that are very melodic like the strings or even you know the flute the guitar all of these types of instruments have an effect on just allowing us to connect on those Uh, on on those levels of releasing the emotions connecting to the emotions so um, that's just one example that when i started to learn about sound therapy and how each of these instruments has a different effect on the consciousness and that i only use now natural acoustic sounds you know when i was in the 90s in la i was in all electronic bands and now i've gone 180 you know and i and i love electronic music and i love the fact that it can work As entertainment and and also has its own kind of effects of healing and so forth but really when it in the training that i receive natural sound is where it's at nature is your most primary healer and so if you can use these tools to kind of allow nature to funnel its way into your field into your consciousness into your energetic um you know centers can transform your life Mm.
2: I was, I was thinking when you said um, that you weren't in lockdown. I was thinking about the speaking to my friend in France, for example, and then my my partner is, has family in Spain where they are, you know, they're in. They're calling it confinement, um, and um, how how much more difficult it must be for people who don't have nature a kilometer away because that's how far they are allowed to go from their house. Um, and I was just thinking that, that that might really affect where people choose to live in the future.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
2: you were talking about instruments with nature, so I it all
1: kind of Yeah, I totally agree. And you know, the urban world has its advantages. You know, I haven't lived in a big city for a while. But what I notice is that nature has a, a sensitizing effect. Being in Bali and having, you know, having the the privilege of being able to work with natural sound and share natural sound. It's really helped me understand. Hello there. Hold that thought one moment. Hi. Oh, sweetie. At this moment,
0: we... Broke for a few minutes um, because my son was having a hard time. This is one of the side effects and of then doing it later.
1: <laughs> All good?
0: <laughs> he's, he's a little over.
1: Mommy, emergency? I think. Yeah, I'm uh, not sure that
2: I don't think I have very much longer, but let's let's finish what you want. Oh, uh, okay. Right
1: sure. <laughs> um, I think I was talking about uh, resensitizing. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um, <laughs> um, so I, I was I feel like one of the primary ways in which I, I particularly work with sound is to help people really resensitize. And nature does that. And I feel like that's that's been one of the primary benefits of working with natural sound for me um, is that those of us who have kind of cut off their intuitive, their empathic, their you know, um, their their inner feminine, um, their, their divine feminine, the receptivity, the yinness, has, that that kind of can come back, that can be reignited through something like sound and music that is shared in a way um where there is presence and where there is a real sensitivity to for example something like volume i know a lot of sound healers out there really don't pay a lot of attention to volume and decibels and what it does for the consciousness and how it can really fire up the nervous system and cause a person to go into shock or another layer of trauma if they're not careful they will bang gongs you know at full volume and um, I find that that's really not so effective when you're specifically wanting to resensitize and create a space of comfort for people to receive the sounds and allow those sounds to really travel throughout the body and and reach where they need to go on physical emotional mental level spiritual level so um, this is why I've, I've I find that my particular approach to sound and, and even now with the music that I'm sharing is very much about that world of resensitizing and retuning, um, bringing the empathic world back.
2: Mm, like that.
1: And yeah. I, I know that you can relate to that because that's something you also work with with your um, guests as well
2: yeah, I was having a conversation with somebody on their radio show yesterday about this, actually, about how um, we when we when we are sensitive, I think we tend to wish that we weren't because it's so it's so difficult or we perceive it as so difficult if we don't have some sort of uh, way of handling our emotions and processing them um and really understanding them. Um, but that, you know, sensitivity vulnerability you know the experiencing the whole range is really where it's at you know you you want to be able to experience the full range of human emotion
1: you think about that on a music or sound level you're really robbing yourself of, of this really core part of who you are you're, mm. you're and and it's really something that's discouraged on a societal level mm-hmm to really allow yourself to feel and to be. And, and I would, you know, I really feel for the empaths and intuitives who are at home right now, you know, in this environment, perhaps it isn't always so sensitive to their needs. And, and they're, you know, we're dealing with people that have an incredible fluency in the language of feeling. Mm-hmm. and that's a huge gift that we need more now more than ever because we've allowed the unfeeling world the very left brain analytical world the very loud in your face world to basically run the show on a you know mass level and it's mm-hmm. caused uh, calamity mm-hmm. to, to say the least so you know we really have to encourage our empaths nurture them give them extra space give them extra uh, capacity to feel safe, to open up and share. And I know, you know, it's a journey. It's been a journey for me. I'm sure it's been a journey for you. Even something so simple as connecting with the voice, mm-hmm. which is, you know, our, our gift. Um, it's something that, that we have to encourage more and more because these are the people that are moving the human race forward. And we have to give them the tools and we have to give them the understanding they need right now.
2: Mm-hmm. I agree, that's really cool. So what is, what, is, what is going on moving forward? Are you kind of taking it as, as it goes? I know you have travel plans for July, but are you, are you uh, just gonna see kind of what happens or do you have a vision for how this is gonna play out?
1: You know, I put this album together and I put it on pre-order and I made it available for basically any donation put it on, on a donation basis and i had 70 people order it and it's starting to grow and i you know i have a, a couple of videos that go out with it my goal is to get this album to as many people as as i can really um and i've maintained that it's that option to order it by donation so it's still an offering and you know um I didn't, I didn't go with my last record out, record label. Um, I wanted to try to find another label where it would be more conducive to the type of music that I'm offering. The last label was great. My, um, my friend who has, owns that label, but it's an it's a, uh, Ibiza dance company label, which is based in Amsterdam. <laughs> so I have these wonderful dance remixes of my songs that have been put out which are beautiful. Um, but I feel like it, you know, I in order for this to really kind of reach the base and reach the kinds of people that are really what, what I'm offering is about and what, what, what uh, can, what can really activate the consciousness more is you need to kind of fire up the base. So I am hoping that this kind of music is going to reach the right places and go to the right people and, um, and that's been my priority right now. Also, I'm, I'm doing trainings. I've got a training coming up in August here in Bali. I'm hoping that it will still happen. It's a training where you learn about multi-instrumental sound. You don't have to have any background in music or sound to do it. Uh, we open the voice. We connect to... Say- Sound, intention, presence, and we work with all kinds of instruments. And you know, one of the funnest things about it is that I have all these instruments, and people really turn into kids. You know, it's like they've always wanted to play a crystal ball or, or a you know, massive drum or chimes or what have you. And I bring all of that available to people dozens and dozens of instruments, and we have a lot of fun. And we also immerse in this beautiful world of sound and all those different levels connecting to sound, sounds that vibrate on a physical level, emotional, mental. And um, yeah, and then we experience the beauty of Bali while we're doing it. So that's also another thing that's in the works for me. Wow, that's but in the meantime, great. that's, uh, yeah, it's, it's just right now sitting and soaking up the beautiful energy of Bali and trying to put this album out there and offer it to those who need it.
2: And where can people find you? on the web and how can they connect
1: with you my website is soundhealingbali.com and uh you know the same tag name for uh my instagram account and i have a music on bandcamp bandcamp bandcamp.com where you can type in my name and find my albums you can listen to me on spotify as you mentioned My, my last album is on there on itunes and amazon and um i think that's about all if Maybe there's a way I can send you this information. You can also put it in print for people.
2: Oh, yeah. I'm going to put it in the description of the, of the podcast for sure. But yes, if you have a comprehensive list, please do send it my way.
1: I will indeed. Thank you.
2: Awesome. Well, my little kid is playing in the background here. <laughs> so this is a good, can you hear the harmonium right now?
1: Yes, I can. Yeah, <laughs> it's time, time for mommy duty.
2: Yeah. Thank you so much for doing this. And, um, oh, it's such a pleasure. Yeah. It was nice to meet you. Goodbye. What
1: a beautiful being you are. Thank you very much for taking it. To- Hi, I know you want to say goodbye. So I'll <laughs> say bye as well. <laughs> and um, what's your name?
2: This is here. You can't hear. Prim- you want to tell him your name? Hi. My is Prem- Beant. name is Prem His name is Prem
1: Wow, what a beautiful name. Wow. I love that name. My name is Shervin. I have two little boys too. Can I hear? They're, they're over there. I told them to go way over there so that they wouldn't come and disturb my talk with your mom. But now, if I'd have known, we could have had a big party. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that can be the next one. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> really nice to meet you you can have your mom back now thanks for loaning her to me actually
2: that made me think could you pronounce your name for me so that when i do the intro i don't mess it up
1: yes yeah thank you for asking it's shervin (laughs) shervin shervin and the last name is bulurian
2: bulurian okay
1: like the car from back to the future but with a b okay (laughs) and by the way i was really touched by your story about um you changing your name because you know you know, my sister—the uh, the whole reason that I my name was given was that my sister had a dream that she was visited by a young child who had my name, and that's how they chose my name.
2: Oh wow! Yeah.
1: So. Uh, honey. Yes. Yeah, and what a lovely package! <laughs> you got a toy okay. in there. I bet. I hope that's a fun toy.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was, that caused a lot of tears not having that package. Oh. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much. And I'll let you, thank know what you it comes out and have a great day in Bali. And
1: bye. Bye. Bye, sweetheart. Bye. Nice to meet you, Porter. Nice to
2: meet you.